0: Well, I've entitled the message today, uh, Pastor Murdoch, can you come up here? I didn't, I didn't do it. I just want to put my arm around you. Okay. You're, uh, I'm one of your Timothys. Okay. Uh, the message today is Remember. And uh, the text is 2 Timothy 1 uh, 6 through 14. Okay. And uh, Paul is the author. And uh, Timothy is the main target audience and others. But I'm just, I just want you to know what a privilege it's been for the investment you've made in me for so many years. For 37 years. you realize we f- first met 37 years ago? Ooh. And uh, I'm, I'm privileged and thankful to be one of your Timothys. Oh, praise God. Uh, what a joy to have people take what you give them and go on and build on it, extend it, go beyond it. So that's what you're doing. More power to you. Bless you. Can we give Pastor Murdoch a big hand? Bless you. Pastor, I pray that you live many more years. He's 87 years young. And uh, it's amazing. He is still in the game. He's going strong. And uh, if you haven't heard about it, there's the uh, event coming up the 12th of September where he's going to be rolling out the app and we're going to hear more about that. So amazing. You, you're so contemporary. You're, you're a perpetual learner and teacher and more. So bless you, bless you, and bless you, Nancy, too. We love you. Well, the, the message today is entitled Remember. Let's read a selection of that passage that I have highlighted in the title, and then we're going to pray. Let's, it should go on the screen. Can we stand and read it together? I know it'll be challenging since it's the amplified version, but uh, we'll do our best. For I know, perceive, and have knowledge of, and have acquainted with, him whom I have believed, adhered to, entrusted in, and relied on. And I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which he has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him until that day." Remember, let's pray. Before you sit down, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we can gather. Thank you for the creative uh, worship team that put together the worship set today in a very creative way. Bless uh, Justin Kofod, bless Steve Shirley, bless Larry Batamy and others that were a part of putting that together. And, uh, Lord, we just didn't skip a beat. Lord, we're looking forward to Ben and and so grateful to have Ben and Catherine in our midst now. Looking forward to Ben leading us in worship next week and in the weeks to come and in the years to come, we pray. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you, and we are totally confident that you will open your heart to us and speak to our hearts in many wonderful and profound ways today from your word, by your spirit, with no limitation We're the ones that limit things, but there's no limitation with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to start with a story this morning that I think will kind of set the tone for this message. As you know, or some of you know, we recently were in Africa in the month of May and June, and we went to Botswana and then to Cape Town. While in Cape Town, we had a wonderful opportunity to minister to a woman who was really distressed over the loss of her grandchild. And that would be understandable, the death of her grandchild, who was uh, either 12 or 13, right in there. It was a tragic loss for sure. So she wanted to talk about this, so the Fresh Start team and myself met with her, sat down with her, listened and cared for her heart uh, for over an hour. And uh, during the course of that time, listening and caring... Uh, Some questions started coming to my mind uh, in terms of how she was feeling about this, and she was very devastated about the loss of her granddaughter. She said her granddaughter was a wonderful young Christian woman who loved Jesus, obedient to her parents, just a wonderful example and an influence to her peers. So, so many positives. So that was very devastating and distressing. But it also bothered her that her son and the mother of her granddaughter, her, her uh, daughter-in-law, were not getting along. And that, that was part of the grief and, and the loss. And, um, and, and she also was bothered by the perspective and belief that this death could have been avoided. Though the granddaughter did have some health issues, she believed, power of a premise, in her opinion... The mother was negligent, so it could have been avoided. And you know how that is. I mean, that just compounds the grief. I mean, the the death, the loss is bad enough. But when you think it could have been avoided, that just compounds it even more. So I was listening and caring and asking her questions and, and seeking to build a bridge to her heart during the course of our conversation. But then I began to ask the questions such as, what bothered what do you think bo- her name is Susie. What Susie, what do you think bothered you the most about this situation? The death of your granddaughter or how it affected your son? Because she went on to say it, it really had been a catalyst for her son to turn away from the Lord. So she was upset with her grand. Her, her daughter-in-law, she was upset that she had lost her granddaughter, and she was upset that her son had not responded well to this death, this loss, and had basically turned away from the Lord. So I said, when you consider all of those scenarios, which one bothers you the most? And she said, well, I know my granddaughter, granddaughter is in heaven. It was a devastating loss, but I know she's in heaven. So that gives me great peace. I think I'm bothered most about how it's affecting my son. So I asked more questions, and I, and I. One of those questions was, "Well, I said, please don't misunderstand my question. Keep in mind that we had had a, uh, many moments. I'm just giving you the, the the highlights, the big pieces. I said, or asked her." Why does it bother you? Why does it really bother you in terms of how this is affecting your son? Well, she said, well, I want him to go to heaven. I don't want him to go to hell. I'm going to heaven someday, and I want him to be there with me. I said, that's understandable that you would want him to go to heaven. Tell me more, and she would tell me more and elaborate on that. And, and then I said, please don't hit me, but uh, why do you want him to go to heaven? Well, why not? I don't want him to go to hell for sure. And we had gone on and had a dialogue and listening and caring. It was all very positive, all very engaging. She felt loved. She felt cared for. And then I said, let's go higher. Let's go higher. I said... I want your son to go to heaven, too. But there's something that I want more and the Lord wants more. And he is deserving of. He deserves the worship of your son. I said, how about we go higher? And instead of making it about your son and how he's responding, let's make it about the Lord and what he's worthy of. He's worthy of another worshiper. He's worthy of the worship of your your son. No matter what has happened, no matter how he has initially responded, let's make it more about the Lord and what he's worthy of. And I said, the lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering. I said, this is all about the Lord. And the light bulb came on, and she realized what she had done. She had been operating so horizontally in her grief and loss and when she heard those words, that the lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering, that the lamb is worthy of another worshiper, and that's what this is about. It's not about him escaping hell. It's about the lamb that's worthy of the reward of his suffering. He's worthy of his worship. He's worthy that your son would, be, would enter into the destiny that God made him for. It made, I mean, It set her free. Just in the In the uh, snap of a finger, in the flash of a moment. It was a eureka moment. It was a light bulb moment. And she saw that she, and and, and the reason it gave her such relief is because it put her heart (laughs) in position to receive the comfort that she wasn't receiving when she was focused on her son and her daughter-in-law and her, daughter, and her granddaughter. She was receiving no comfort there and hope and hope that he would go to heaven. No comfort there. But when, it, we, when I proposed that we make it about Jesus... And what he's worthy of. Boom. She was free. Now, how common is that perspective in the church today? I said I was one of Pastor Murdoch's Timothy's. That's one of the key things that I've learned since I've met Pastor and Nancy from the Word of God, from my life's experience, and opportunity to apply. Heaven and hell matters. But it's all about the king. It's all about the lamb. It's all about what he's worthy of. He's worthy of my worship. And it's helped me realize as we go through this passage, and basically the theme of this passage is there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be problems, there's going to be persecution. The tests are going to come. How are we responding? Are we passing the test? You're going to see many things today, and I hope and pray, remember many things that are important today. One thing to remember before I even get into the outline is remember that the lamb is worthy. It's about the lamb. It's about the king. And just keep that in mind anytime you're offended or any time you're tested or anytime you're tempted. Oh yeah, we tend to think it's horizontal, you know, this person is right or wrong. They owe me an apology, justice, injustice. All of that may be true, but the truest thing is God is allowing it, and He's got a purpose in it. And what He wants is ultimately for us to go vertical and worship the King. It's about the Lamb. It's between you and Him at the core. It's never between you and the other person and the circumstances first and foremost. It's between you and him at the core. So let's move forward with that. Remember to stir up the gift that is in you. Verse 6, that is why I would remind you to stir up, to rekindle the embers of the the flame of and keep burning the gracious gift of God the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands remember that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today they're all for today Some of them didn't cease way back when. They are all for today, and we need them. We vitally need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I can remember back in 1977, Ron Colley High School, Sunday nights we started driving from Fremont to attend worship services, evening worship services, Sunday evening worship services at, at, with uh, Trinity Church Interdenominational Mindy and I and the boys, Joy wasn't born yet, 1977. And you know what they did when we were there? Somebody spoke in tongues. What is that? But then there was an interpretation, and then Pastor was so so good about explaining what was going on. So for those of us that it was all new to, I mean, I I was a believer. I came to Saving Faith in 1974, but, you know, fairly new believer. And it was like, what is this? So there was a lot of things going on that I didn't, that were totally new. I mean, the worship was new. The the gifts, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in, in the form of gifts, of, in the form of speaking in tongues with interpretation, words of prophecy. It was like, whoa, this open worship thing, what is this? That was new. But it didn't blow me away, it intrigued me, it drew me, because there was something else that was true. I know now what to call it. <laughs> the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's always present, but he's, he manifests his presence in more distinct ways at times. And on those Sunday evening gatherings, was, those were definitely times where the Holy Spirit was manifesting His presence. And there's nothing more seeker-friendly, by the way, than the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it drew us. I mean, we drew back. We, some Sundays, not, not trying to impress anybody, but we were so hungry for what we were beginning to receive... Some Sundays, we would drive 100 miles on the road back and forth. We'd drive in in the morning, drive back. Drive back for Sunday night, drive back. 25 miles round trip, or excuse me, 50 miles round trip times two. Some Sundays, 100 miles. And didn't think anything of it. We'd sing songs that we were learning back and forth on the road. It was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful season. I remember it well. <laughs> it made a divine impression. But you know, there's something else that's true. Character matters. Integrity matters. And I've noticed another thing as I've go- gone and gone on and grown on in the Lord is that what we tend to do we meaning whomever, not thinking of anybody in particular, but churches, businesses, organizations, what we tend to do, observably, not always, is elevate somebody who has a strong speaking gift or strong gifts of different kinds. We tend to elevate them maybe in a way that they're not ready for because they don't have the character to hold it. So the Lord showed me early on. The gifts of the Holy Spirit matter. They're all for today. I need, I'm desperate for him. I'm desperate for any gift he wants to give me, and his life in me makes that possible. But I never want any gift he gives me to go further, to be more pronounced, to be more obvious than than character in the character of my life. Pastor Murdoch, a Paul to me, I'm one of his Timothys, he, he was a man, he was and is, I should say, but I'm remembering, in the remember context, I remember how he cultivated a culture at Trinity that was a servant leadership culture I mean, he would obey the Lord no matter what the cost. He was very teachable. I sat in board meetings where we didn't always agree. Most of the time we did, but sometimes we didn't. But he didn't try to manipulate. He didn't try to... He, he some, some things were really hard for him when the vote didn't go the way he thought it would, should or would, but he didn't play the God card. Well, God told me and... God said, you'll be doomed and damned if you don't. No, no, no. He didn't manipulate. He submitted. He was, a, he was and is a man under absolute authority and delegated authority. That's character. And he's one of the gift, most gifted men I know, uh, and yet he's a pastor. He's still a pastor. He may not have the position or the title now, but he's, he, as far as many and I have, are concerned, and many and I have talked about it, He, as long as he's alive, he's our pastor. So, a man of character, but a man that's gifted. Now, I'll let you connect the dots of people that you've known along the way that maybe were very gifted, but didn't have the commensurate character. They become dangerous people, don't they? Among other things. They hurt a lot of people, don't they? Among other things. So, Remember all the gifts are today are for today but remember something else <laughs> character matters integrity matters maturity matters and remember there is a cost be ready to suffer verse 8 out of this section of scripture that I've highlighted from 2 Timothy 6-14 through 14, verse 8 another word from Paul to Timothy take your share of the suffering to which the preaching of the gospel may expose you and do it in the power of God I believe that holiness is God's goal for us not happiness. Now, the one translation does say, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Well, (laughs) if God is your Lord, you put your heart in a position to be happy. But happiness isn't God's goal. Holiness is God's goal. And what does that mean? It means you don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. You've submitted to him, and you want your life to be a reflection of his life. You want to bring glory to his name. And you know, it seems to be, you may not like to hear this, so I'm, but I'm reminding you that often for that kind of phenomenon to take place, it involves suffering. If you want to be happy, we tend to be outcome-based results oriented. I like results. I like to get things done, but I've learned to hold loosely those results or those outcomes and make him the goal. More of him the goal. Surrender, making him more the goal for himself. Christ for himself. Not for any particular outcome, not for for, for any particular benefit, not because I'm so that I'll be happy that he'll be glorified, and others will be blessed, whether I know they are or not, (laughs) because it's all about him. But the path to holiness seems to almost always involve some type of suffering. It might be the suffering of persecution. It might be the suffering of something else, a loss of some kind. An offense, a betrayal of some kind. But remember to stir up the gift that's in you. All the gifts are for today. If you don't know what gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit God has given you, get with somebody and seek that out and excavate and plow and enter into what God has for you. Not for your benefit. Not so people think you're the hero or something special, but for his benefit, because like Pastor Murdoch would say again and again over the years, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not the toys, but the tools of God. So nothing to take lightly, but to take very seriously. After all, it's his gift manifest in that way. So do you know what gifts he's given you? You may think, "Oh, well, I don't know. well. That's curable. We can find out. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. And you may think, well, I'm kind of afraid to exercise it. Well, stir it up. Stir it up. Exercise it. Maybe in a small group. Maybe in a one-on-one. But exercise that gift. Develop that gift. God will bless that willingness and that risk-taking and that humility because it's all about him. It's not about how you look. Because if we're going to be all in for God, it's going to involve risks, it's going to involve sacrifice, and it's going to cost us something. It might even cost us our reputation, so to speak, or your perception of what people think of you. And it may not be favorable. Are you willing to be of no reputation? Jesus was. Philippians, Philippians, the second chapter, starting with verse 5 and verses following, the New King James Version speaks of that. He was willing to be of no reputation. Are you? That's humility if you are. So remember to stir up the gift that, that is in you. Remember, there is a cost. Be ready to suffer. And remember, Jesus paid the price so that you could live a life Set apart. Verse 9. Let's take a look at verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. For it is he who delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in himself holy and leading to holiness, that is, to a life of concentra- consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it not because of any merit that we have done, but because of and to further his own purpose and grace, in other words, unmerited favor, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So again, it's not about us. It's not about earning it. Jesus paid the price. And I believe that we are not, our life is not our own. We bought with, we've been bought with a price so, here's the question, are we living to love and living to give, or are we still giving to get? Do we still have ulterior motives? Are we really in touch with what we've really received? I think of Luke, the seventh chapter, that part where Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus over and... and. Uh, not Simon Peter, Simon the Pharisee, and he's a, he's a Pharisee, so they believe that the, the obeying the law is the way to salvation, so isn't that ironic? He believes that the law is the way, and then a woman comes, un, un, uninvited, a sinful woman, a notorious sinful woman, Simon Peter knew her, Jesus knew her, and here she was, uninvited, but she wasn't cowering down, looking shame-ridden and all of that, she was captivated by the love, the grace that was radiating from Jesus. She wasn't thinking about, I need to forgive myself, I'm so ashamed, I'm, I'm hopeless, I'm doomed, I'm damned, give me a morsel, give me a crumb. No, she was captivated by his love and she was already extravagantly reflecting back to him what she was sensing from him in the way of kissing his feet, crying with, and so washing his feet with her tears and a perfume that she probably couldn't afford. So isn't it interesting? Here's, here's the cast of characters that I see. Simon the Pharisee, as a Pharisee, believes that the law is the way. The sinful woman had gone astray and right in there met Jesus, who is the way. She knew it. Simon the Pharisee didn't. Even before she heard the words, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) And of course, that got a little reaction out of the crowd. Who is this that forgives sins? She was already captivated by his love. She was captivated by grace, truth and grace. It's both or it's neither. True truth is includes grace, or it's not truth. So it reminds me of what God has taught me, and as another uh, example of me being one of Pastor Murdoch's Timothys. Early on, back in the Trinity days, early in the Trinity days, I was a truth guy for sure, but I kind of was developing a reputation for being a Mack truck of truth. And I hadn't learned to build bridges, so Pastor Murdoch came to me, Paul to Timothy, so to speak, one of his Timothys, and he said, Steve, you're gonna help a lot of people, but you're gonna help a lot more if you learn to build bridges. Boom, I did, I took it to heart. So going back to where I started this morning in Cape Town, I built a 45-minute bridge A 45-minute bridge of grace, love and acceptance, caring and loving and listening and caring before I called Susie up to the ultimate truth of Christ for himself. I didn't start with that. If I would have started that, it would have been a disconnect, probably, probably. I've learned to build bridges of grace over which the truth can travel. So I meet when, I, when Mindy and I meet with a couple for premarital counseling, sometimes they don't know the Lord initially. But I, we start with their hearts and we invite them into God's design. You know, they might be living together. They might be having intimacy together outside of marriage. I invite them into God's design. I don't, I don't lead with shame on you. How could you do such a thing? Don't you know that's sin? It is. It is. But I don't say it that way. I listen. I care. I build a bridge of grace, something none of us deserve. So I think the more we are in touch with what God has done for us and what we don't deserve, I think the more our hearts are ignited with love and compelled with love, just like the sinful woman in Luke, the seventh chapter. She was ignited with love. She was captivated by his love, and she reflected it back. Grace, she responded to grace, but she responded to the truth, integrity of who he is and who he was and is. there's a price. Stir up the gift that is in you. Remember, there's a cost. Be ready to suffer. Remember. Remember, Jesus paid the price so that you could live a life set apart for him. And remember, know in whom you have believed, he is able. Verse 12, and this is why I'm suffering as I do. Still, I'm not ashamed, for, for I know and perceive and have knowledge of and I'm acquainted with him whom I have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied upon. And I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him until that day. In other words, until he comes again. What am I doing? What are you doing with what's been done for you and for me? What are we doing with what's been entrusted to us? Speaking for myself, I love much because I have been forgiven much. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I've connected the dots. The reason why I love people so much and love Jesus so much is that I've been forgiven so much. And that's the theme of Luke, the seventh chapter He or she that's been forgiven much loves much, assuming they know the much, and I am all in. Woe to me if I don't invest in men, women, and young people seeing them forgiving, forgiving, and free because I've experienced it and I want to give it away. So my confidence is in him. Remember something else. The truth matters. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Verses 13 and 14. Hold fast and follow the pattern of wholesome and sound teaching which you have heard from me. And, excuse me, in all the faith and love which are for us in Christ Jesus. Verse 14. Guard and keep with greatest care the precious and excellently adapted truth which has been entrusted to you by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes his home in us. I love that. Truth without grace isn't truth. It's both grace and truth or it's neither. Our, have you become a bridge builder, building a bridge of grace over which the truth can travel? I think we. one of our strengths of All Nations Church, individually and corporately, a critical mass, is we... We're into the truth. I mean, we value the truth. And I think that is largely, if not primarily, the influence for years of Pastor and Nancy Murdoch. I mean, we're spreading the fire together now, but as a Timothy, the truth matters. It is, I mean, the accuracy of it matters. But not as an end in and of itself, but truth applied. And I, and I really appreciate something that Ben Fisher said, and you'll be seeing and knowing and loving Ben and Catherine more and more in the weeks ahead, but when we interviewed them before they said yes to our call to come on staff, he used a little word, a different word that really resonated with me, that really captured this grace and truth message this living the truth message and he used the word embodied and i think that that's it are we embodying the truth you know it's one thing to have a bible study up here with ross heineman or pastor murdoch or whomever what's the goal yes we want it to be accurate we want to know it but do do we care just as much are we just as passionate about living it and having it be a lifestyle and having, embodying it, because I believe if that's true, then what's going to happen is we're going to grow as a church uh, in ways that we can't even imagine, because we've got the truth, but are we bridge builders as well? So as we bridge, build bridges, and I, I'm not saying anybody's failing, I'm not criticizing anybody, and I'm not saying that uh, you know, we're all different, so this is just please take this in a positive way, But as we are just as excited about loving people and building a bridge of grace over which the truth is travel, that that it travels, if we're just as excited about that as we are, the validity and the accuracy of the truth, the soundness of the truth, it's both and, it's both. But you know what? If you really believe the message, if you've really made it your own, you're going to live it anyway. And as you live it, there's going to be grace and truth. Why do I know that? Jesus, he's our he's wonderful example. Look how he ministered when he was on planet Earth. The woman caught in adultery. The law said she could have been stoned. He didn't pick up a stone and stone her. Going back to John, the first chapter, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he lived it. And there was a perfect example with the sinful woman or excuse me, the woman caught in adultery where the Pharisees were ready to get her, but he had a question, well, or a challenge. The one who's without sin cast the first stone. Well, they all dropped their stones. They went away. Woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. But then the truth came in at the end. Go and sin no more. He didn't go soft on the truth. He didn't say it wasn't sin. It was sin. But how he handled it was a grace and truth application, a grace and truth embodiment. And the sinful woman, who I've already referred to from Luke, the seventh chapter, Simon the Pharisee was all upset, even questioning the the validity and And uh, viability of Jesus, doesn't Jesus, doesn't he know who she is? I mean, she's a notorious sinful woman. He ought to be just having nothing to do with her. But notice how Jesus responded to her. He didn't jump on the bandwagon of the Pharisee because he wasn't a Pharisee. He was a grace. He embodied grace in truth. And we could go on and on with other examples. The Samaritan woman He asked questions. He didn't accuse. He didn't declare. And even with the Pharisees in the end, when he was being captured and beaten and eventually crucified, he was on a mission. He had nothing to prove. He was submitted to his father. So grace without truth isn't truth at all. Have we become bridge builders. I want you to see a video to kind of review some of what I've said. And then I have some comments right after the video. So if we could play the video now, I think that will tie some uh, loose ends together. And we'll go from there. sanctuary filled with sun. Remember me Remember me When the children leave Are we in touch with what he's done for us? I think where this movie, and obviously this is from The Passion of the Christ, movie clips from, uh, and then incorporated into a song, where this movie falls short, and any illustration can, only the Bible doesn't fall short, is that it leaves you with that picture. But the truth is, he's a risen Lord. He has been raised from the dead. He he came, he was crucified, and on the third day, he rose again, and he lives in those of us who believe. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's not dead. He is risen. Makes all the difference, doesn't it? Is there anything we need to remember in the way of application here today? Is there anything we need to remember that we have forgotten and gotten away from? Is there anything we need to repent of? Is there anything we need to redirect? Let me review the super points of remember. Remember to stir up the gift that is in you. If you don't know what that is, we need to make it our determined purpose to know him and to know who he is in us and how he wants to express himself in us. Not to make it all about gifts, but to make it all about him. And not just leave it with the gifts, but remember, if you don't have character and maturity, you're dangerous anyway. There needs to be a marriage of maturity, a marriage of good character, solid character, and integrity, or the gifts can be a dangerous thing. But remember, to stir up the gift that is in you. They're all for today. Remember, there's a cost. Be ready to suffer. And the biggest tests may be ahead of you. But that's all part of the process of being conformed into his likeness. Because we're not victims. And even if we've been victimized, we still have responsibility And no matter how unjustly, how unfairly, no, how much you've been betrayed, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, it's always between you and him at the core. What will you do with him? Will you give him the worship he deserves? Because the lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering. At the core, that's what it's about. It's not about somebody asking for forgiveness. It's not about somebody saying I was wrong and I want to make it right. Oh, that might be good. That might be gravy. That might help. That might... I'm not saying he wouldn't want that. But do you have to have that? Or is he enough? The lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering. Remember, Jesus paid the price so that you could live a life. Remember set apart for him. And remember, know the one in whom you have believed. He is able. That will help us. The more we know him, the more we'll know who we are in him. You know, psychology is the study of man. You'll never know who you are. You can take all the psychological tests in the world. You can have all of that kind of stuff. That's interesting stuff. But the way to know who you are is to know him because as you know him more, you'll know what he thinks of you. You'll know what he says about you. You know what's true about you in him because he is the author and finisher. He's the definer and refiner of us. Know him. That will keep you from faith in faith, hope and hope, trust and trust, hanging on by a thread, hoping for the best. As opposed to your confidence being in him. <laughs> I know in whom I have believed. And he is able. Because I know him. I know him. I know him. And he's good. All the time. Remember, the truth matters. Guard what has been trusted to you. But if I was going to say anything, and it goes along with uh, our mission motto, our present mission motto, "Outfitted for, <coughs> excuse me, outfitted for life, impacting your world." If you want to impact your world, <laughs> we've we got to be lovers. We gotta be wise. We've gotta be embodiments. We we have to embody this grace and truth. Or we'll be very limited in the, the difference that we'll make. And it, it doesn't start when we it doesn't start when we move it move in our new building at 178th and Pacific. It doesn't start then, it starts now. Are we salt and light now? Are we serving our city now? Are we investing in others now? Are we learning and growing and giving and loving and living to love and living to give and living to love and loving to love? It's all about Him, for Him. It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. So as we close our time today, I'll leave it between you and the Lord to make the application. For you, maybe there's one of these points that is helpful to remember and renew. For others, you're thinking, whoa, you got me, Steve. I wasn't trying to get you, by the way, just so the Holy Spirit has his way, just so he has his way. I'm not trying to find fault. I'm not trying to do anything except just be obedient to deliver what I believe he's put in my heart to give today as we remember. As for, for some of us, What applies is remembering our roots. Uh, For some of us, it it includes remembering our foundation. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. That that applies to me. So I want to live this, not just know it, not just know about it. I want to live it and, and embody it. So... I pray that there is something that has been shared today that has resonated with you, and I pray to that end, Lord. You know what will register with different ones. You know what will make a difference. You know what will convict. You, will know, you know what will encourage. You know what will ignite, inspire. You know what will redirect. You know, you know all things. And I pray as we go back to that last worship set, of surrender yes Lord have your way have your way with your our hearts have your way with our church have, our, have your way with us individually have your way with us corporately we I'm so grateful for all that I've learned from Pastor Murdoch and Nancy over the years and so grateful to own it to apply it to live it to embody it. Grace and truth. (laughs) It's, It's how you ministered on planet earth, Lord. It's how you. And Lord, show us how to connect with hearts in this present day. With your timeless truth, grace and truth, hope and forgiveness is for today. It's for every day thank you, Lord. And we want to be a people that ultimately, we may not be able to start there, but where we want to take them is take them to the place where we're able to say, it's time to go higher. Christ for himself. That's the ultimate. He deserves another worshiper. Anybody that comes to saving faith in this place and among these people, that's that's what it's about. You've got another worshiper when that happens. You've got another worshiper, and you're worthy of that worship. That's it, Lord. That's what it's all about. It's about you. Thank you, Jesus. Inspire us. Convict us. Convince us. Refine us. Conform us to your likeness so we can be like you in this present day and face the trials and tests like you did and pass the test by going vertical and submitting to you and allowing you to have your way. For your glory, Lord, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for this wonderful gathering. We look forward to more, Lord, in Jesus' name.